Josh Allen Friedman. In episode three, we visited Mr. Burlesque, Bob Anthony, in the back office of Times Square's notorious Melody Theater. It's where lap dances first came into practice during the early 1970s, where porn stars first appeared in public, and where strippers served what was called box lunch from the stage. One dollar a lick, use your imagination. The back office was home to an assortment of old Broadway dukes and demented young starlets. Bob Anthony's best friend and confidant was Manny Rosen, a top contender for the lightweight championship of the 1920s. Manny originally named the theater the melody. After his boxing career, Manny worked at the stage delicatessen on Broadway for 32 years. He was in charge of making toast but he also wrote poems from the back of the stage, which was the very kitchen of showbiz. Manny kibitzed with all the showbiz royalty every day. Like James Brown, who turned Manny's poem King Heroin into a hit record in 1972. Manny wrote it from the standpoint of the drug itself. So be you Italian, Jewish, black or mixed. I can make the most pearl of men forget their sex. So now, so now, my man, you must, you know, do your best to keep up your habit. Here's Manny in the back office of the Melody reminiscing about his fighting career, as many old boxers do. What, what years did you fight? What weight class were you in? 126 pounds of featherweight. I never fought on the chair. I went right in that pro. You know, I was raised in Harlem, East Harlem, we were all a real rough. Anyway, uh, the first fight I ever had was on 135th Street, the Commonwealth Sporting Club up in Harlem. And they gave me a fellow that had, he was a national amateur champ named Jackie Schwartz. And he had 10 professional fights, and this was my first pro fight. They said, watch out, he's she, She's heard this before? She must have. Keep in mind, here in the back office of the Melody Burlesque, the hottest strippers in New York are walking in and out of the office while old Manny relates his tales of boxing. Uh, they've heard it all before, and they just go about their business and walk back out. Anyway, she, he, um, they told me in the corner, watch out, he's got a terrific jab. And... Uh, I stepped out, he jabbed me about six times, and, and I let go with the left and the right, and I knocked him out one minute and said, the second, if I didn't have the gloves on, I would have scratched my head. I was amazed myself. When I first started to box, I went to high school. I, I was maybe 16 years old. We told him I was 18. I went to... Grub's gym to learn how to box. 
And when I first started, I couldn't use the left. So they tied the right, my right hand behind my back. And for two weeks, I used to come home. My mother say, Mandela, eat something. I said, Ma, I, I don't feel like eating. My jaws were hurt, you know. But that's how I learned how to use the left. The left is just as great as the right, see. And in those days, before you could fight for championship, you had to have at least 40, 50 fights. And today, today they fight for the world championship, a million and a half dollars. I fought 10 rounds, I got a thousand dollars. I thought I was doing great. Manny's prime fighting years were 1928 to 1930, when he got a shot at the light heavyweight championship against Al Singer. Uh, Joe Gould used to manage me. He had Braddock for a trainer, Doc Robb. He was deaf, but he was one of the greatest trainers of all time. He trained Benny Leonard, and he trained Gene Tonic. Did you ever get a championship fight? That's when I was supposed to fight uh, <clears throat> Al Singer, and I was training in the gym, and I had an effective wisdom tooth. So I would, must have got hit on it. And the next morning, I used to meet Maxie Rosenblum. Remember Maxie Rosenblum? I've heard of him. We used to do road work around Central Park. So I was running with him, and I fell down. I fainted. It seemed that when I got hit in the gym, they broke the pus bag from the infection and the wisdom tooth. So Maxie took me across the street to the Mount Sinai Hospital. See here. And Professor Berg was the one who operated on me. You had to have an operation? Sure, he had to take out the pus. Because yeah. he took out about a glass of pus was seeping down Jesus. my throat. So I had a day and night nurse and uh, well, she used to morning. give me massages. Okay, so the third night she Take care, Mark. Well, Justin, I'll see you again. See you later, yeah. Right. Third night she gave me a massage. And I got on and I said to myself, oh, I'm going to get well. And <laughs> then I laid off a year and I had about 12 more fights, one them all. Then training in the gym in Stillman's, my nose was bleeding. And uh, right after we finished training, they pulled the gloves out with sweaty. And, and I didn't think like a dummy. I didn't think. And, you know, the blood coagulated, so I went to pick the nose, and the face filled up, I got Jeez. just like a, that advertisement years ago, they used to have the admiration cigars in the subway, cigars, big face. So I laid off, and I went in that delicatessen business. That delicatessen was the legendary stage in Times Square. And if you had ordered a slice of toast during World War II on up through the 1960s, chances are Manny was the Toastmaster. Max Asnes, a rotund Russian immigrant, opened the stage in 1937. It became Times Square's premier delicatessen. It was where all the great comedians, with sandwiches named after them, came to watch people. By the early 1950s, even Mickey Mantle lived above the stage. It is axiomatic that the most repulsive-looking restaurant owners serve the most delicious food, especially delicatessen men. Gravel-voiced Max Asnes 
had a penchant for telling cunt jokes. Blue-haired lady tourists that frequented the stage were possibly drawn by this heady mix of cunt jokes and pastrami. Here's Max Asnes in 1961, holding court at the stage from an album called The Corned Beef Confucius. Once a pig says to the cow, why is it that I'm so hated? I give more than you do. It's the, and wherever I go, they hate me. Even the name alone is a disgrace, the pig. You give a little milk, whoever comes next to you always feds you. Tell me the secret. So the cow says, this is no secret. I give, I am alive. You only good after you're dead. Let's get back to Manny Rosen, right-hand man in the Melody Burlesque's back office. After 32 years at the stage, Manny ended up in that quaint institution that no longer really exists, alimony jail. So I, then I was in alimony jail for six months. And alimony jail, I became... That's the regular jail, though, right? It's not a... Well, it was on 39th Street, they, where the Lincoln Tunnel is. Close. You mean it was a special jail, jail for, just for alimony? No, there was an old jail. They put alimony guys in and material witnesses for murders and, uh, and dope addicts. That's where I learned about the dope bullies. Mm-hmm. While I was in there, I scored five knockouts. Because when you go to jail, were you ever in jail? Oh, I'm a good boy. I All right. Just overnight once. <laughs> anyway, in jail as a clicks, they want to show you who's the toughest guy. Yeah. And you know, it was an old jail. It was five floors, walk up, no elevators like they had now. And uh, there was a, every floor had a, there was a dormitory, 15 prisoners allowed. And, 11 o'clock, the lights go on. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, <clears throat> the first night I went, I went in, I had a rub, a rupture, and I was wearing my hernia belt at the oh, time. Man. We started to get undressed at 10 o'clock. We were in the in the room where they have TV. You stay there till 10 o'clock, and then you go upstairs to your dormitory. So the head guy was a short squat guy, like shoulders like that. He said, hey, Rosen, I heard you used to be a fighter. He said, let's square off. See, there's only about 12 more, 13 men. So we're in our underwear. I says, uh, what do you want to square? You want to for real or just fool around? He says, I, the way you want it. I said, make it for real. So uh, so we, they surrounded us. And they but you had a hernia, you said. Yeah, but I got a belt on. What does a hernia got to do with it? It's an established fact. Any man was a professional fighter to beat any guy weighing 50 pounds more, 20 years younger, and bigger. But with a, in the middle of a hernia? What's the difference? A hernia was here. It wasn't one that was, it just gone out or something. It was no, it was, I, I, I had a belt. I see. You, you know what a hernia is? A rupture. You know what a rupture is? I didn't know enough about it. I figured you had it under control. Yeah, that's it. That's well, anyway, we're on the way. Come tearing at me, and I block it, and so on, and throws another punch, and I block it. And there's a trick. Stand up. I'll show you. Just a minute. Maybe come in. Stand up. 
So in the clinch, I hold him like this, see? So I see, and then he's push forward, push forward. Boom, see? See, I step back and switch. And I, I didn't hit him yet. I just twisted around, he fell on the floor. And his eyes were blazing. I knew he was furious. I said to myself, oh, I'm going to dump you now. See, when, when the fighter that was a professional fighter fights, they, have, they get angry. But it's a cool, cold, calculating anger. Like a street guy, an ordinary guy gets mad. He don't know what he's going to do. But mm -hmm. when a fighter is fighting, he's mad. He's, oh, I'm going to do this and do that. And then it's mine, you see? So Did this I, guy know you were professional? Yeah. But he wanted to but show he, his friends. He's a tough guy. Uh -huh. He was the king of the jail that time. Mm -hmm. He came up. Now what? Boom! I fainted. You know, like this. He didn't hit him a shot down. Anyway. I went in the bathroom, got a towel. I said, "You want more?" He said, "No." Shakes hands. And when the, the doctor examined me, he says, uh, "You work in the stage." Yes. I said, "But I get excruciating pains. I can't lift anything heavy." So. He says, all right, you work in the stage. He says, all right, we'll put you in the kitchen. <coughs> you'll make it, you'll make toast. I says, good, that ain't too heavy. Mm -hmm. So I used to go down seven o'clock to the kitchen to start to make the toast. Manny loved to reminisce about uh, fights he had in jail uh, as well as uh, his career. Here's another one. I'm walking down to the kitchen and behind me is one of the hacks. A hack is a cop, call him a hack. About 20 feet behind me. And as I come down, there's one of the big guys. Big guy, six foot two. They sent him down from Sink Sink. He was turning state's evidence. So they sent him down to our jail for safekeeping because when you turn state's evidence in a, any big jail, they kill it, mm -hmm. you know? So he down and says, come on, you Jew bastard, you know, like that. All right, thinking, all right. He throws a punch, I duck him, boom. This is the big, the big the guy, guy from Sing Sing? Down he went, pound. And I'm bending over him, and the, the hack is coming down. He says, what happened? I says, he tripped on the stairs. Bob Anthony, who's sitting here the entire time, searches for a publicity photo of Manny in his prime as a fighter in the metal desk. Terry Manny, yeah, Manny sure. Carson. Yeah. Did you know I was on Johnny Carson's show twice? My yeah, don't brothers. you got a picture of you? Don't I have a picture? Yeah, you have one. They're crying out loud. Can I have one here? You got it done someplace. Yeah, Manny, go through it. Here, it must be in here someplace, huh? Look, give it, give it to the nice boy. You He's never, nice you never told me your name, even. Josh, Josh, Josh Friedman. Nice Jewish boy. A nice Jewish boy. That's what they thought of me. I'm in my early 20s. I'm amazed that I'm allowed into this private lair with old tough guys, old Italian boxers and Irishmen and Jews and showbiz guys, and, and they're, they're like a bunch of Jewish mothers to me. They, they invite me into the strippers' dressing rooms. I have free access to go anywhere in the Melody. I'm the only one. 
Yeah, I imagine you keep uh, keep all the girls here entertained for yeah. when they're when they're off. The answer can do is the more stuff. Most Manny did like to be surrounded by girls. And like Bob says, he gave them all a shtup. And all the girls seemed to love him too. When one of the strippers named Jackie died of a drug overdose... Manny left his entire estate to her kid when he himself died a few years later. For the white horse of heroin will ride you to hell. To hell. This we'll is Josh Allen Friedman to hell. with Tales of Times Square. The Tapes. Ah, I see you're still there. Let me remind you that this podcast has its own website at blackcracker.fm. You'll find photos or illustrations of the delightful ghosts of 42nd Street that appear on each episode. And you can subscribe through iTunes or wherever you find these things. Plus, there are links to my books and my albums, some of which appear in the background music here. That's blackcracker.fm. I'll see you next week on Old Broadway.